0: What does a good life mean to you? Does it mean doing meaningful work? Does it mean waking up with a sense of purpose, driving you, moving you forward? Does it mean having people in your life that you care about, that you want good things for? If you're nodding your head, that means you have stress in your life. And instead of trying to avoid stress or reduce stress, what we actually need to do is learn how to manage stress better. And that's exactly what I'm gonna be talking about in today's episode. So you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to the Happy and Healthy Podcast, I'm your host, Amy Lang, and this podcast is dedicated to my fellow women in STEM. After working in high tech for 10 years, in 2004, I became the proud owner of Pacific Heights Health Club in San Francisco, where I worked with thousands of clients over the span of 15 years to help them reach their health and fitness goals. Now I'm sharing what I've learned about what works as well as what doesn't work when it comes to making healthy habits stick. So if you want to find out what it takes to achieve lasting weight loss, to create deep health, and feel empowered to live the life you want, you're in the right place. Episode number 136. Well, hi there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want to talk to you about stress and specifically rethinking stress. So to start off the conversation, I have a few questions for you. First one is during the last month on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is really, really stressful. How would you rate your current stress level? That's the first question. The second question is, do you get at least seven hours of sleep a night? Or if you do shift work, a day? And then the third question is, is your stress affecting your sleep? So with those answers in mind, let's talk about how to manage stress and probably sleep better. Now you notice I said manage. I didn't say lower your stress. And there's a very specific reason why I do that. Because when we experience stress what's happening why does it happen it's because something we care about is at stake so if you talk to someone who does meaningful work and has a fulfilling life do you think they have stress in their life absolutely so it needs to be a more nuanced conversation it's not just about reducing our stress and the reason why I bring this up is because the media has made stress the enemy. All stress is the enemy. But that's really not the case. There's such a thing as good stress or stress, and then bad stress or distress, what we know as chronic stress. And the difference is important because of what happens at the biological level. We want to actually trigger the challenge response versus the threat response. And the really interesting thing that research supports is this idea that the effect you expect Is the effect you get let me repeat that the effect you expect is the effect you get so a great exercise to illustrate this point and it will require two people face the other person with your arms in front of you and have them press down on your arms resist See how long and how much force is required for you to keep your arms up. Now I want you to repeat the same thing with the same person and this time, instead of just resisting against that, I want you to instead reach for the person. So your arms are still out 90 degrees in front of you and I want you to reach for the person And have them again pushed down. What you will notice is that when you are reaching for something, you are stronger. So this is about your brain and biology working for you. The stress response, if we believe that it's working for us, it triggers the challenge response. So when I talked about Use stress or good stress. This is stress that is short-lived. It's something that we believe is within our ability, that we have the resources to deal with. And it leaves us better off. So when you think about, can you lift 20 pounds? Probably. You'd be putting a little stress on your body. We talked about running, putting some impact on our bones that helps to increase our bone density. But if I told you to lift 200 pounds, unless you've been training for it, that's probably too much stress. And if we put too much force, we could easily break a bone. So clearly we want to find that sweet spot where the stress is still within our ability Now, I wanna talk just a little bit about how stress shows up, how it affects our body. Public speaking, as an example, is something that most people will consider to be a stressful experience. Now, what happens? Well, our brain senses, uh uh-oh, something's going on here. There may be a threat what does it do? It releases, or it triggers your body to release cortisol and norepinephrine, or what we know as adrenaline. And so the levels in our body for both cortisol and adrenaline go up. And as a result, our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure goes up, our breathing rate goes up, and your breathing actually tends to become more shallow. So that stress response that we're talking about is usually fight or flight and if you were gonna get really specific it's fight or flight or freeze or fawn when I say fawn if you look at say a dog who feels threatened by something what will they do tuck their tail under assume or or they might actually like lie down and and be very vulnerable. This is their way of saying, I'm not a threat. The other thing that happens when we have that stress response as human beings tends to be, we're more focused. You've heard of target lock. And we get this burst of energy. Now, what would normally happen, so if you look at our evolution, the biology says, that the threat tends to be short-lived. If you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, at some point you escape. And so then all that stuff comes back down. So again, the threat response is that fight or flight kicking in. Which means if you have trouble sleeping because you're stressed, you now understand why. Your body's on alert. If you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, the last thing you would want to be doing is sleeping. There's no rest at that point. So our biology says you need to stay alert. So let's now talk about how you want to show up. If you're a manager, an entrepreneur, a leader, a parent, you want to be the one setting the tone. You want to bring energy, focus, creativity to your day so you can be productive. Can you do that if you're not well rested? If you're hungry or hangry? Probably not. Which is why I am such a huge fan And I advocate self-care habits so much. And there are actually what I call the magic eight that I would love everyone to practice. I believe your life, you would feel so much better and be in a position to show up the way you want to if you practice these eight habits. It's staying hydrated. So getting enough water and as a general rule, enough would be half your body weight in ounces. So if you weigh 200 pounds, we're talking about 100 ounces. Getting enough sleep, we're talking seven to nine hours of sleep a night. And obviously there are some, there's always going to be some differences. Some people may need less, some people may need more, but I think seven to nine hours covers most of the population. We want 30 minutes of mindful movement. Notice I'm saying these are all daily habits. Getting five servings of fruits and vegetables. Preferably two fruit, three vegetables, all the colors of the rainbow. Number five, eat when you're hungry and more importantly, stop when you're comfortably full. Number six, meditate. Meditation has all kinds of benefits. Number seven, embrace stress. And by stress, I do mean to create those situations to trigger that challenge response, that you stress. We're not talking about the the distress that long term leaves you worse off, can be depressing, demoralizing, paralyzing. That's not what we're going for. Okay. And then Number eight is to cultivate relationships in our life every day. We're social creatures after all. So why have I focused on these eight habits? Because they are the foundation. They are creating the conditions that are required for us to be able to function optimally. So when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you hear people talk about the hunger drive, the sleep drive. We know if we don't get enough water, if we're too dehydrated, there are disastrous consequences. So if you don't meet those basics, safety, security, rest, shelter, if those aren't being met, we can't even work on anything else. So when you talk about growth, creativity, self-actualization, Your brain and your body won't allow you to go there if those basic needs aren't being met first. So, all the stuff that I talked about, habits, those are behaviors. We can control that. What we can't control are outcomes. Weight loss is an outcome. Running a 5K under 15 minutes, that's an outcome. As an entrepreneur, can you control if someone else is going to buy your stuff? No. So I want you to focus on what you can control and let go of what you can't. And when I talk about these eight habits, the other thing I want you to keep in mind is that we are creating a state of abundance. What we don't want to do is create a state of scarcity whether intentionally or unintentionally if you tell yourself you can't have a particular food your brain senses my needs and wants are at risk of not being met what are you doing you're triggering a state of scarcity and i have a mantra and i live by this mantra and that's Making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens. So how do we do this? Well, I've been talking about habits. We need to take a look at the patterns that we have in our life that trigger that automatic response. And patterns can include thought patterns So, as an example, the moment you think about weighing yourself on a scale, if you're going to make that number mean something about you, that's a thought pattern. Our brain, for survival, is really good at recognizing patterns. It says, hey, I've seen this before. I know how to solve this problem. That's why on our commute to work, we go on autopilot. Or another way to put it is our brain knows how to get the reward. And when I say reward, we have two base level motivators. It's either pleasure seeking or pain avoidance, that discomfort. Both of those in what I'm describing count as a reward. And so emotional eating is a habit. It's a learned behavior. Having a glass of wine or two or that cocktail after work, especially if you do it every day, can easily become a habit. Now, when I talk about managing stress, look, if your stress level is like a 3 or 4 out of 10, there's probably not a whole lot we need to change about it. We're only talking about if you want to change it. So if that's the case, then the first thing we need to do is we need to talk about the anatomy of a habit. And it looks like this. There's a a cue or a trigger, there's a routine, and there's a reward. And those rewards are immediate ones. We always have to think about what that immediate reward might be. So when I think about a routine that automatic I can't help but think of about Sandy so Sandy is my friend Colleen's golden retriever actually she's passed away but I remember when she was a puppy <laughs> it was the funniest thing Colleen was showing me how she was training Sandy to sit but there was the sequence it was to sit stay lie down roll over, play dead, and the reward was a little food treat. The funniest thing is, it didn't matter where you started, Sandy would continue the sequence. So you could say, lie down, and she would lie down, roll over, and play dead. (laughs) And playing dead, by the way, included her tail wagging, like thumping the floor. So this is what I mean when I say automatic. What we need to do in order to manage stress is we need to understand how to identify our triggers, the thing that tells our brain to go into the automatic mode, which habit to use, and automatically selects which habit to use. Now, that cue or trigger can be almost anything. It can be a visual trigger, like what I just described. You see something, it could be a smell, you're at the mall, and you're and you find yourself at in front of Cinnabon or Annie M's for a pretzel. It could be a time of day like lunchtime or dinner time. It could be a preceding event, like if you had an argument with a family member. Or it could just be the company of particular people. So to manage your stress, what I want you to do is learn how to insert a pause and do the following things. So you want to become aware of the thought and meditation and body scanning are great ways to do that. Then we want to shine a light on it because we have sixty to 80,000 thoughts per day. So we're actually aware of very, very small percentage. It'd be like a dream. You have this fleeting thought. So when we shine a light on it, journaling is a great way to shine a light, to really become aware, capture, notice, name what it is. What's going on? What was the situation? What did I think? And then I want you to ask yourself, does this interpretation that's leading to how I feel, does this interpretation serve me? So as an example, when I talk about public speaking, one of the most common thoughts people have is, I'm nervous. Does that nerve, nervousness, the dry mouth, all that stuff, that internal dialogue you're having with yourself, don't screw this up, Is that helpful? Does it serve you? If not, I want you to challenge the premise. So if you see your nerves as I'm too stressed and I'm afraid I'm not going to do well, can you reframe it and say, hey, this feeling I'm having really means I'm excited. My body is working for me so I have the energy, so I can deliver my message with clarity and confidence. So those are the five steps. Become aware of the thought. Shine a light on it. Ask, does this interpretation serve me? Challenge the premise if it doesn't, and reframe. Now, I went through that really quickly, and if you're thinking, okay, I don't really know how to apply this, but I really want to master my triggers and create some new habits. I want to invite you to the free live training. It's a two-part training that I'm holding on September 6th and 8th called Mastering Your Triggers. And to register for this event, all you got to do is go to moxie-club.com sticky stickyhabits. Alrighty? So, I want to leave you with the following quote by Viktor Frankl. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom you've been listening to the happy and healthy podcast with amy lang if you enjoyed today's episode by all means hit the subscribe button now if you're ready to get started visit my website moxieclub.com that's m-o-x-i-e hyphen c-l-u-b.com and sign up for my free mini course how to lose weight for the last time. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.